Kung Fu. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. What is going on? The Kung Fu Avengers are back, baby. That's right. For the 24th episode of Versus Up in the House. Y'all know who I am. Fat Samurai Guy. Hanging out with all of these legends here. With Kung Fu Santa himself. Rick Myers in the house. That's right. And we have Kyle Wong in the house. Filmmaker Kyle Wong. Eric, the Asian movie enthusiast, the master of remaster, Frank Jang in a house, and the kung fu genius, Alex Richter, is here as well. And everybody's information is in the description box below to follow the podcast, Instagram is all the good stuff. You can buy all the books, Films of Fury. That's right, all the good stuff. Eureka, support it, 88 Films, that's how we do. Why? Because we love Kung Fu and martial arts movies. That's right. And we who, who's here in the Movie Dojo Army showing up here? We have here Brolicon. What's going on? Jake Hall, Heather Love. She's saying, what's up, Movie Dojo Army? Jason Willard in the house. All right. Uh, Jason Willard says that he loves both films. My pick by a razor, the margin is Legendary Weapons of China. There you go. Ooh. There you go. He actually picks that one. Awesome. <clears throat> Nate Dogs, The Ruckus Has Started, Evelina, Marks, Mike Swift, Nate Dogs, Topher, all the all the badasses are here. We're here to talk about two Kung Fu classics, Shaw Brothers, baby. That's right. Da, da, and da. I know. <laughs> <laughs> two Shaw Brothers classics are going head-to-head today. So let's go ahead and get into it. I will let Rick kick it off on the first one. Let's do it. All right. But first, let me say, this is the 24th episode. Yes. How ironic and coincidental, given that next Thursday is the 24th annual Kung Fu Extravaganza. Woo-hoo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's why I'm so happy about this episode, because I figured there was nothing we could do before the 24th annual Kung Fu Extravaganza, then give homage and tribute to, my mind, the greatest Kung Fu filmmaker of all time, La Kao Young. And I was very pleased. Now, I have to tell you, as a prelude, my tragic story. I've always wanted to meet him. I've always wanted to meet him. I was close, super close, three times. First time is when I was creative consultant on this documentary, The Art of Action, narrated by Samuel L. Jackson. And I thought the director was going to bring me with him to Hong Kong to help with the interviews. And I gave him, but he asked me for all the questions for all the interview subjects. And then at the end, he said, nope, I'm throwing out all your questions because I want to come to this fresh. And I'm going, no, don't do that. You're going to be asking football players baseball questions. You're going to be asking baseball players football questions. They'll just look at you like you're a guaylo. And that's exactly what happened. But when he came back, he had the transcription of the interview with La Cal Young. And I thought it was from my questions or from his questions. So I quoted from it in my Inside Kung Fu magazine column without knowing that the interview was actually done by Mike Leader. So Mike Leader got all upset or seemed to get all upset. I apologized in print to him then. I apologize to him now. 
<laughs> I did not mean to do that. I thought it was from my inspiration that the answers came. In any case, I was very lucky that I could, that Celestial Pictures got in touch with me to write the English language on the back of their DVDs. And I had to do three different versions. I had to do a 30-word version, a 60-word version, a 90-word version. And then they also so and they also gave me all the material on all the movies that I wrote the English for, including Legendary Weapons of China. This is the official Shaw Brothers Library. <clears throat> so rather than try to paraphrase it, I will read you what Shaw Brothers wrote for the plot line. It is the reign of Quang Su. The remnants of the White Lotus clan, which claims to be immune to gunfire, offer to support Qing against foreign aggression. Eunuch Li Lian Ying introduces its head to the Empress Dowager, who orders him to from see this is it's not it wasn't written by me, so the English is not very good, who orders him to from the Yiho Boxing Society. Lei Kong, how do you pronounce that? Uh, yeah, that's the how do you do the that's how you print, do the Cantonese? Yeah, Loi Gong. Yeah. yeah. Okay, God of Thunder. No, no, the name of the of the director and actor. Well, that's Lao Kaleng. Lao Kaleng, yeah. Lao Kaleng. That's in Cantonese. What's in What's it in Mandarin? Cantonese, Lao Kaleng. And what's it in Mandarin? Why you want to? Doesn't matter. <laughs> no, no one ever says it's no not one Mandarin, ever says ever. It in Mandarin. All right, Michael Young, pupil of pugilism, expert in every weapon, is ordered by Lee to form a branch in Yunnan. But Lee's own conscience makes him dissolve it, and he takes refuge in Canton as a woodcutter. Lee learns of this and orders members of three different sects to track him down. Lei Yong, brother to Lei Kung, Tai Ho, and Chi Tan. They're all from different sects. One is a, a voodoo-like sect. One is a Mosha sect, which was the organization that was the predecessor to the ninja. It was all the glory of the ninja without any of the guilt. And uh, and other and then the monk from the temple to lure Lei Kong out. Li Yong arranges for a gang leader to pose as Lei Kong openly in the streets. He's played by Fu Sheng. How tries to intercept him, but is ridiculed and injured. A woodcutter brings him into his home and treats him. Feng Se, uh, Fang Se Sing follows them and discovers the many different weapons hidden in the woodcutter's home. She instantly realizes that he is in fact Lei Kong which is sympathetic to his plight and encourages him to brush up on his Kung Fu skills to fight off the killers. Lei Yong arrives at Lei Kong's home to confront his brother, but leaves after informing him about the other killers. Tai Tian later appears, but Fang and Tai Tie Ho have now taken Kung's side and help him repulse Tai Tian. Lei Kong knows that his brother has spared him only to have him eliminate the other killers for him so that Lei Yong himself can kill him and claim credit. He drops his disguise and fights a fierce duel with his brother in which he beats him with his many different weapons, the legendary weapons of China. However, he spares the life of his own kin and instead flees with Chao Ho and Fang So Sin. That was very... I should have had you do that, Frank. And now let me read you... Now let me read you something I did write for Celestial and for Shaw Brothers, which was the behind the scenes of legendary weapons of China. Le Chaliang, La Chaliang, has done it all. He had made almost a dozen revolutionary action films which were unprecedented in their imagination and success. He had introduced Kung Fu comedy, 
invented his own genre of martial art movie and immortalized authentic, pure, true Kung Fu. But the wisdom that had created these groundbreaking masterworks reminded him that nothing lasts forever, that all glory is fleeting. It was time to make some sort of ultimate cinematic statement. Quote, when I make a film, Kung Fu is entirely the main element, he stated. When you watch a La Kao Young film, the first thing you say is, let's see how he fights. Let's see how he changes, what Kung Fu he does, and how he does it. Let's see if he does it with blade, lance, sword, javelin. So I think my most successful film is 18 Kinds of Martial Arts, a.k.a. Legendary Weapons of China. I took all 18 kinds of martial arts and put them all on screen. Everyone on the set knew that they were trying to accomplish something special. The three main characters must, in every scene, use fighting styles to show certain messages, explains Kara Huying Hong. Why it is called 18 kinds of martial arts? It is because we must, within the film, express our feelings, show our actions, and develop the story all through martial arts. Besides doing this, you must fight with all 18 kinds of weapons. For other directors, it might have been difficult, but I felt that for La Calion, it was not difficult because he is known as the Dictionary of Kung Fu. And after that self-same Kung Fu dictionary revealed Kara to be a true beauty in My Young Auntie, he has her disguised as a man through most of legendary weapons. Quote, it was quite challenging. Yes, she laughs. I think I made a very handsome man. I have an elder brother, Hui Tin Chi, who is also in films, and we look quite similar. Actually, my elder brother was called Handsome, and I was called Beauty. So when I dressed as a man, I thought of my elder brother. Even so, there's some doubt that her elder brother could survive the rigors of filming this Kung Fu classic as well as his younger sister did. Quote, the soundstage was very hot, Kara recalls, over 40 degrees Celsius, and I was wearing padded jackets. I had put padded jackets all over my body and wore tall shoes. My whole person was extended horizontally and pulled vertically. And we had to fight with a lot of weapons, long weapons, short weapons. But in terms of the action, I had to make my fighting match my appearance. So the resulting style was really quite handsome. Close quote. Kung Fu is one thing, but for this film, both Lu and Kara had to deal with an even more dangerous ingredient, explosive special effects. Weeing Hung describes the scene, quote, we were in a very narrow alley. I was wearing men's clothes and had a fan in my hand. And there's a wall with many bombs installed in it. Back then, you didn't even know what the bombs were. You ask if they will explode and they say, they won't explode. There's just smoke. All I knew was there was a pop. I was in great pain. Then I smelled a very burnt aroma. My eyebrows were all gone and one side of my face was gray. There was a lot of fire. It burned off half my hair, everything. But perhaps because I was young, there was no scarring on my face. Just as La Calyong reported repair, repaired a broken leg during the filming of Cat vs. Rat with some herbal leaves, Kara Huying Hung took his immolation in stride. I went to see his doctor, who gave me some ointment and lanced some blisters. Then the next day, it was work as usual. But they avoided shooting this side of my face. And since I didn't have eyebrows and eyelashes, they glued on fake ones and put makeup on my eyebrows. Then I was all bleeding in certain places, so they put the wig on lower, 
Yes, at that time, I could put up with a lot. I never thought I shouldn't work like this. To me, work was work. In fact, if you told me not to work, I would be even sadder. The resulting film bore out the actor's sacrifice and devotion. Quote, that film was the most profitable film in the history of Shaw Brothers, Lyle maintains. There were no name lead actors. It was I, La Kalyung, my brother, La Kalyung, my younger brother, Gordon Liu, Kara Hoy, and Su Hao, a.k.a. Sao Ho. The main thing was to show off all of my kung fu. So in that respect, the film was also very selfish. I tell everyone, this is a classic. If you wish to film a Chinese weaponry, you must watch this film. It's sure to be there. Now, when someone wants to shoot swordplay, everyone says you must watch 18 kinds of martial arts. And the reaction is always, wow, his swordplay scene looks good. Just copy it. Now, that's what I call a classic. Nice. Now, everybody else talk. <laughs> well, what do you think of the movie, right? Yeah, what do you think about the movie? <laughs> <laughs> I agree with Kara, and most okay. of those quotes were from my interviews with her. And okay. I also agree with Lau, because most of those quotes weren't from, because the second time I almost got to meet him was for my own documentary. We were all set to go, and then the producer said, no, I've decided to do animation. I went, no! But at least the only thing I ever got out of it, I got to talk to Gordon a couple of times, but oh. not in person. I got to meet La Kalyung at the uh, the film awards in Hong Kong when we were doing the Jackie Chan documentary. There he is, and there she is. I met her in New York. But I did get that wonderful poster, which is autographed to me by Gordon and autographed by La Kalyung. That's the and now he's gone. Now he's gone, and I can't meet. Him. <laughs> well on a on a on a happy note i have yeah. to say i have to say that i'm kind of jealous that you got two photos with Kara. oh yeah you know, i'm kind of jealous about that rick i just want to be honest there like man two photos well, let, me, let me tell you i mean she was so great she was so nice you can see in that picture the lighter picture the second picture she insisted upon because i was i was even mm. then sort of like going, i was in awe of her and uh, we had a wonderful conversation. We had a wonderful lunch. Uh, I still regret not even testing, not even, I mean, I had her address. I had Wang Long Wai's address. Uh, I, uh, it's all in my copy of the book where they all autographed it, but I didn't pursue it. Now I'm sort of going, man, you should have asked her out. <laughs> well, you and did I, dance with the Denver Bronco cheerleaders at one point, right? Yeah, that's right. That was for the Jackie Chan. I didn't pursue them either. I was trying to be professional, like an idiot. Who, who was that guy in the middle? The, pic, the, the picture of Wallen Wai? Who was the guy that's in the middle? Jackson, that's Jackson Hong, the head of uh, Ocean Shores Video. Oh, Jackson Hong. Okay. Yeah, Jackson Hong. We were at his club. And also, I, I noticed in the in the MAMA, the issues of MAMA, which is the Martial Arts Movie Associates, my fanzines, that I had pictures with Wang Lung Wai solo, but I don't have that in my procession. I have to talk to Bill Connolly, the, the co-editor of that. But I thought it was a great movie. And over the years, everything that La Kong, I mean, I didn't know Kung Fu when I first saw this movie. So it was just amazing and beautiful. And, you know, and they did all the different uh, styles and they did all the different weapons. So it was astonishing. But even so, I was still like uh, a guy who loved baseball without knowing the rules of baseball. So it wasn't until after I started learning Kung Fu and I, keep, I continued to learn Kung Fu and I started to develop my own style <laughs> that, I, that I kept walking. I also got better 
I mean, the original version of the movie I saw was in uh, Chinatown in New York. And that was one cut of the movie, which did not include them labeling all the weapons on the screen. It wasn't until I got the Celestial uh, DVD that I saw the, the more complete cut, complete with the labeling of all the uh, styles and the labeling of all the weapons. And now I know what they're more. I know more what they're doing. I also got to research those three pugilistic schools. At the time when I watched it, I thought they were all fantasy. Oh, yeah, so they have a zombie thing, and they have a ma magician one, and they have the temple one. And I went, you know, that, they, they just made them up for this movie to, to be fantastic. And then I started doing research. No, those were all real pugilism schools. And, you know, they had the mental one where they could control the person like voodoo. And they had the Mo Shah. This is only the second movie I'm aware of that has ever pictured the Mo Shah. The other one was uh, Curse of the Golden Flower. They, that, and even then, when I was interviewing the director of that, he, de he denied it was Mo Shah. He was saying, no, no, that's ninja. And I'm going, no, they're Chinese. That's not ninja. He went, ha, 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 next question. So it's people are still very intimidated by the Mosha, which could be translated as magician spies. And now that I know the amazing Kretzkin and other great magicians, yeah, magician spies are very, very, very dangerous. And the stuff they show in that movie is pretty effing accurate, as is all the martial arts. So the movie has grown and grown in my estimation. And the only and the scene that I had the dip, most difficult time with the first forty times I've seen this movie was the Fu Sheng scene. Fu Sheng is playing a street charlatan who they hire to pretend he's Lei Kong. So he fakes all the things that Lei Kong does. But it's not clear in my first couple of dozen viewings of the movie that's what he's doing. I thought it was, and also the translation. I I originally saw it dubbed. So it was like he's saying stuff that it just seems silly, like he's doing Bob Hope sequence. And they have that whole climax in the outhouse, in the in, in the shithole. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, this that's pushing it a little. But, you have shit all over you. You are not yeah. worthy to fight me. <laughs> right. And and everybody is making the noise, you know, oh, you stink so bad, all that stuff. But again, that was also accurate, apparently. There are legends of fakers who would come into town and pretend they were these great, you know, superstar Kung Fu people so they could get free stuff, so they could get free food and they could get free lodgings. So this, mo this movie has only grown in my estimation over the years. Okay, now I'm done. Nice. Please, All, right. All right. So Legendary Weapons of China. You know, as much, I, I, I absolutely love the Sammo Hung film, uh, Odd, The Odd Couple. It's a fun movie. I really, I really, really enjoy that movie a lot. I like that movie a lot. But that movie's labeled, I've seen it labeled several times as the greatest weapons movie ever made. And I'm kind of like, there's some badass sword and spear action in that movie. I mean, I, I love that movie, but I'm just kind of like, man, whoever keeps saying that, they haven't seen this movie. <laughs> uh, Legendary Weapons of China has everything. It has the kitchen sink, everything. Every weapon is in here. And, you know, first off, first off, if, if, if somebody, come, if Alex came to me, he's like, hey, Samurai, I need you to join my school. 
We're all badasses. I'm going to teach you how to be a badass. And as soon as I walk into the school, and all of a sudden I see a guy uh, being told to rip his own dick off. Okay? Chat, are you watching this right now? Ripping the dick off. Mind control to rip the dick off. Okay? And then Alex turns to me and goes, mm. I would have been like, no, I'm good. And I would have, I would have got the fuck out of there. Uh, no, he said, but... <laughs> rip your dick off, but use Wing Chun. <laughs> it would be way more efficient. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I would have been out. Samurai would have been out. I'd be like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. But you know what? You know, rewatching this movie, I haven't watched it in years, and rewatching it, man, it's phenomenal. It's classic. It is, it is top tier. You know, I would give this movie five stars easily. But what I loved about it, though, was the creativity. I loved every single gadget, trick, maneuver <laughs> that was used. Spikes, knives, everything. Everything being thrown. I just <clears throat> loved every single little uh, gadget and trap and technique and everything used in this movie. It's just so creative. And it's such a, it's so a lot of fun. I mean, come on. They got that one scene when they're fighting Gordon Liu. And, they, you know, the, the trap... Springs on him and all those darts go in his back, and then Gordon Liu just flexes all the darts back out. Phenomenal! It's phenomenal. It's so good. Uh, but yeah, I had a lot of fun. There's so many fun moments in this movie. I love where uh, the, the the top where Gordon Liu's, you know, he he's looking for lodgings, and they got him in the bedroom, and above is Kara and and the other student, you know, and they're fighting up there where they're all trying to make noises, <laughs> and they're like. What what is up there? Oh, we got cats, you know, running around. Probably a cat and a mouse, and they're up there brawling, making cat and mouse noises. <laughs> like there's little things like that. It's just just there's so much creativity. It blew my mind with all the weapons and, and gadgets and traps. But uh, just one of the best in finale fights. And I'll let all of you guys uh, gush and talk about it when when it's your turn. But this throwdown is just it's got to be one of the best. One of the best one-on-one -on -one fights of all time in Kung Fu movie history. Maybe the best. You never know. It's debatable. But, yeah, I had so much fun re-watching this. It blew me away. Uh, it had a little bit of everything. Uh, Fu Shang was hilarious in this movie. Uh, just Kara's uh, sweetheart. And, again, I'm jealous of the two pictures uh, that Rick has with <laughs> uh, But, yeah, it's a phenomenal movie. It's five stars for me. I don't want to talk too much. Eric! It is your turn, my friend. Wow. Yeah, some some of the moments, some of the non-action moments I really liked was the uh, the voodoo like ritual scene near the beginning where they the, he has a little little item and he, they start going ha ha ha. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. And then there was the scene with uh, the the bullet. I would call it the bullet immunity attempt with Gordon. <laughs> Where these dudes, the first time I saw this movie, and these dudes get shot, and they're standing there. I'm like, oh, man, are we going to have some, like, Universal Soldier style? <laughs> like, and then, like, five seconds later, I'm like, oh, I guess not. <laughs> so that, I, like, I really like that as well. I think the action is nicely spaced out in this one. You're not really waiting that long in between action scenes, fights. And then some of my favorites were that was the fight with Kara and the other spy, spy in the crawl space up above where they're trying to be quiet and Gordon's beneath them and he started to hear stuff. He's like, what's upstairs? And the dudes with him are like, oh, there's cats or something like that. So, that, so Kara and her opponent are starting to make cat noises while they're fighting. And there's times where they're, they're trying to take each other up and then one of them is just like, stop. And they got to wait 
to make sure nobody hears them. I thought the whole scene was really neat, just the way it was it was like crafted and constructed. I really liked that one. And then the body control scene with Alexander Fusheng, that was very neat. Um, and then, you know, you basically have the final half hour of this film. It's like this huge climax of multiple excellent scenes. I know I've, I actually have read a few reviews uh, the other day who, who actually thought the the three, basically the three-on-one fight with Gordon that, that's before the finale yep. is some people's favorite fight of the yep. film. Yeah. So and it has a lot of really creative stuff in it, man. I remember one point, um, I don't I think the actor's name is Sao Ho, maybe. Wow. And, and he's wow. he's on the ceiling with like a a clothed sheet of like throwing stars, and then he drops on to Gordon Liu and like puts him in like a I've never even seen it before. It's like a full body like lock where these stars are digging into his body. And then he flies off, and then Lou just like, yeah, he just uh, sheds him off. That was, I'm like, man, where, like, where are they coming up with this stuff? And then the finale, obviously, I do think it, it's kind of a tough call, but it's the amount of weapons that are that are used and implemented in this finale is could be the most I've ever seen in one fight ever. I mean, it's just insane. So yeah, this movie really does deliver. The only thing I would say is that. You know, similar to some of these older school films, and Japan does this sometimes with their samurai films, is that the first 20 minutes, they do kind of throw a lot of characters at you. So you got you just got to, you know, keep your bearing a little bit during the opening to keep track of stuff, and then it settles right in and you're you're good to go. So I really, yeah, this is another good one. <clears throat> nice. Frank? Yeah, no, this is, this is you know, creative filmmaking as finest. Um, obviously... I, I when I watch it, I felt that Lao Gala has clearly enjoyed Sam Hong's encounter with Spooky Kind, you know, with the use of all this Mao Shan magic. I think that has a slight influence on him to 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 include all these you know Mao Shan wizardry in this film. Um, I also felt that um, the the fights are really creative. Uh, I, I agree with Kyle. Uh, I really, I mean, not Kyle, sorry, uh, Eric. I, I agree that the scene before the finale fight with Gordon Liu, the three on one fight. I, I, yeah, this is fantastic. I mean, in, in some way, this fight actually overshadowed the final fight for me because the final fight, you know, you, you essentially you, you have a one-on-one -on -one fight with different weapons. But just the creativity of that fight with Gordon Liu as they tried to kind of wake him up or whatever, you know, like lead him to the to the, to the the bright side. So that, I think that that's just fantastic. You know, there's just so much creativity in that film, uh, in that sequence. Um but, uh, with that said, I do feel I do feel that Alexander Fushin was just a little bit underused. Uh, uh, you know, I was hoping that he could really be one of the main action characters in this film. I mean, the com you know the comedy stuff is great. You know, he was great in that whole middle sequence. Um, but other than you know, I, I was hoping that he would join Gordon Liu in the final fight too. I I, I see Rick shaking his head. I know. I understand. <laughs> but um, you know why? You know why he did? Right. Right. Oh, I just thought that he he, he could be used more. That's all, mm. more than just being a comedy. You know, being, being a comic comic relief. That's what I'm trying to say. I guess he was a special um, cameo, right? And gotcha. and um, it's, and also there was a slight expectation for me that this is gonna, you know, with the beginning, like 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 Eric said, you know, in the beginning you have all these setup with the different clans and all these um, you know, Qing Dynasty official going, you know, check finding out why one of their one of their like little you know faction sects are kind of you know. Betray, either betraying or, or, or you know going underground and stuff. So you, you know in, in 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 that kind of setup, you're expecting maybe more of an epic grand finale. But in the end, basically have it's basically a family drama, right? In the end, just two brothers fighting. 
I'm, I'm not saying it's bad. I just, you know, I was hoping, I was just saying that I was expecting maybe the fight on a maybe slightly larger scale. But what, what we had was great. What yeah. we had was fantastic. And, and also, uh, it's, it's refreshing to see the quote-unquote villain character didn't get killed at the end. You know, it, it was, again, it was like a family drama. So, yeah, other than that, fantastic movie, one of the best. Definitely from Lok Alain. Yeah. Nice. Keep in mind, Lock Al Young did the first Kung Fu movie where nobody died, which was oh, Heroes of the East. Oh, I love ah, that movie, yeah, man. Another classic. That's a That's cool another. one. Yeah. Uh, the, the master that uh, made this guy, poor guy here, rip his eyes, balls out of his socket. Uh, and, uh, you know, we got some, some classic. <laughs> the old wing, dick twist. Wing Chun style crotch ripping out here. Uh, I was kind of surprised he just bounced. Oh, yeah. You know, rewatching that, I guess he, because he, he seemed like he was just so, you know, evil and determined, but he was so, he was just like, man, this guy's way out of my league. <laughs> he could probably end up killing me if he wanted to. I'm out. He even told his student, hey, just don't come back to stay here. I was actually very surprised by that. And he just, I thought maybe he was going to come back later or try to kill him later. I was like, no, it was, he just, he just left. I was kind of surprised. I was like, wow, what a, what a nice man who led, you know, who usually, you know, controls his men to rip their dicks out of their socket. All right, Alex. I can't remember what I said, what La Young says. He makes kung fu movies. That's all he makes. He doesn't make grand epics. He doesn't make war movies. He doesn't, he makes kung fu movies. So that was a magnificent climax to my mind that would have been ruined by all sorts of non-kung fu extraneous stuff happening. I also, I also want to point out, I also like that little alley, you know, alley thing between uh, Gordon Liu and Kara Hui and um, Liu Hao, because you can tell that was the exact same alley from Marshall Club. <laughs> yeah, another classic. Alex. So uh, this movie is a big deal for me because I read about it in this book. <laughs> it was listed as the quintessential kung fu movie. Uh, the problem was, as a young boy growing up in central Jersey, I couldn't find this quintessential kung fu movie <laughs> anywhere. So I kept reading about it. It was like the biggest tease. It was that in Project A, which you also recommend is one of the best. And I was like, when can I find these movies, right? And it wouldn't be until later I moved to Seattle and could go to Scarecrow Video, which is like a legendary video store over there. And finally, I was able to find, I basically brought Rick Meyer's book to Scarecrow Video. And I'm like, I want that, 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 that. And I just, I binged everything that was in this book that I wanted to read since OSD, since the 80s. And Legendary Weapons of China just blew my mind. I remember just watching it like this and having to watch it again to actually take anything in because it was like so mind blowing. Rick's description that this is the one film that could only be about Kung Fu. Like many other Kung Fu movies, you could swap out what they're doing and put something else in there and the story would still work. This is so intertwined with Kung Fu. You have the Iwo Tun, which are basically the guys who created the Boxer Rebellion. There were these cultists that believed that they could, you know, train a type of Qigong and, and not get shot or something like that. And those are the guys who ended up dying in the uh, Boxer Rebellion. And so Lao Galeng, as a very traditional and legitimate Hong Kong practitioner, always wanted to show real Kung Fu. And he always wanted to kind of poke fun to a certain degree at these Sanda, these like uh, mystical, magical Kung Fu guys. 
because they kind of gave real Kung Fu a bad name because they did all sorts of trickery and all of these kind of things. And they made legitimate martial arts look stupid. So there's a lot of lines in there where he's like kind of poking fun at those kind of people and poking fun at uh, there's that kind of trickery and sorcery. Obviously the Alexander Fusheng bit was a huge kind of F you to a lot of those guys. And some people find that bit a little bit kind of out of place for the movie, but like you also have to remember that this same year, like co comedies were really getting big in Hong Kong at that time. I think the same year, like Aces Go Places and Dragon Lord were like the top movies. So it was all about like the comedies. And then it was like almost probably had pressure from Mona Fong to put a, put a comedy scene in there. You know, we'll, we'll give you a Fu Sheng for that or whatever. So, I mean, he's still great, but it's definitely the one thing where it's like, well, he's kind of underused and it's a little odd, but they wanted probably just to have some comedic element in there because since Snake and the Eagle's Shadow, there was like a lot more action comedies and that was kind of the thing. So, you know, I actually met Siu Hao two years ago in Hong Kong and I had Yam Cha with him, which was, you know, I've met a number of Kung Fu stars, but, and he's maybe not the biggest that I met, but he's so cool and such a badass. I remember like just sitting across from him and, and going through my mind, like, don't stare at him too long. Don't act weird. Stop being weird. Ask him something. Don't ask, don't ask him too much. Stop being weird. Stop looking at him so long, right? And and just going like it's it's mad. It's you. He's like he's in there. and then I asked him. I said like uh, um, I asked him. I said the fight scenes for um, legendary weapons. I go. There's some very intricate fight scenes, like the opening scene where you, he, he's in there and he does all the weapons and everything. I said. How, how much did you guys pr actually practice that before you did it? And he said, Lao Sivu normally, of course, meaning Lao Kala, right? He just calls him Lao Sivu, went through it once with us, and then we shot it. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's like, and so we were under a lot of pressure not to have any NGs, you know, no goods, because there's a lot of it's film, it's expensive, right? So, and it just blew me away where he was like, yeah, we, he, we basically did a run through and came up with it once and then they'd shoot it. So there wasn't a massive amount of, you know, practice and rehearsal going on before these things. And uh, oddly enough, although Lao Kaleng really didn't like uh, supernatural elements, this film actually has one, the one scene where his, where Lei Yong, his brother, is actually controlling Fu Seng's character there, is the only scene where it like legitimizes the magic in the movie because everything else, at the beginning, the gunshot stuff didn't work and at the end, the, the spells didn't work. But that was the one scene where he kind of put it in there, which is kind of interesting given that he normally eschews that topic very uh, 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 severely. And uh, by the way, if you watch the movie, look at Lao Ka Leung's forearms and his hands. The guy was a beast. The fight scenes, I agree, the, the scene with uh, Gordon Liu is amazing. I mean, when you look at the footwork in the yep. sub toy, the cross steps and everything, I mean, as a, as a lover of Southern Chinese martial arts, I love Southern Chinese Kung Fu. I mean, it's like a Kung Fu porn, man. It's but of the <laughs> highest order. I mean, you just see everything, hand techniques, short footwork, lots of intricate stuff, and then you have the weapons at the end, which is, you know, Lao Ka Leung had the rare talent, not just to do stuff that looked really incredible on film, but it was also accurate. It was also authentic to the styles he was representing. And that we will never see again. I mean, that, that when, when, I, when I watched this movie, I, I rewatched it this morning and I was still just like, wow, look at this. Like 
you, we will never see it. I don't care how good people okay. look with CGI and special effects mm-hmm. or whatever. Yep. The people who could do that, that time is over. Yep. And you're looking at a museum piece now, yep. and it's yep. never going to get better than this. Yep. But, it could, but in, in all reality, it probably couldn't get better than this anyway. You're 100% correct. And the reason that he put in that scene with Sal Ho at the end is not because the guy controlled Sal Ho, it's because the control was broken. Mm-hmm. He was yep. showing that you, if you have your an open mind, if your mind isn't closed, if your mind's not trapped, you can you can just get rid of that stuff. That's why yeah. Sal Ho starts laughing at him. Yes, yes. And before before I finish here, I just want to tell Samurai to learn the crotch ripping in my school. That's not day one stuff, okay? For a little bit because I was concerned. Because okay. I, I can't rip the crotches too early, otherwise I don't have paying students. You have to okay. wait a little bit, get some money, okay. and then you do yeah. it. Right? Right. Right away. No, no, right. you'll, you'll learn it once he's in his fifth year. Yes. Black <laughs> Dragon, that's why I don't charge for my kung fu. I'll teach you to do it free. All right. <laughs> that's what you do when you're a month late on your fees. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I point out one thing real quick before we go to Kyle? Sure. Because Alex mentioned Yum Cha with Xiu Hao. Uh, I don't know whether whether Alex has been to Taiping Gun. Have you been to Taiping Gun restaurant in in Kowloon? Uh, in Yama Day. Uh, Taiping Gun in Yama Day. Uh, yeah. I don't. I mean, I may have, but uh, it, it doesn't okay. quite ring a bell. Right. Okay, I just want to point out that one time I went there, and then you know I was with my friends, and we we're talking about like movies and stuff. So we started talking about kung fu movies, and then a waiter overheard our conversation. And then he, he came over to me and said, you see that table right there? So he pointed to the table in the corner near the kitchen entrance. He said, that's Lao Gaolang's own private table. Every time he comes here, we reserve that table for Lao Gaolang. Oh, damn. Yeah. Very if you, cool. If you were about to tell me that you met him, I would have told <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> him. my own balls. Oh, but I knew where he sat. But I now knew where he sat when he, go, when he went to Taiping Gun restaurant. So. You are extremely lucky because if I had been with you, I would have, I'd still be sitting there waiting. <laughs> you got to show up sometime. <laughs> All right, Kyle, go for it, my friend. Okay, I, I just want to say thank you to Sifu Alex. Thank you to Frank. Thank you to Eric. Thank you to Rick. And thank you to you, Samurai, for actually welcoming me, welcoming me as part of this whole ensemble every week because like it's great to talk to everyone about these type of films and be in a safe place where I could say um I didn't get into watching Shaw Brothers films until like probably in my late 20s and it, the first one that I watched was 36 Chamber and watching Lark Lung do what he does in Drunken Master 2 and in his final film Seven Swords but even then, learning about his repertoire and watching this finally, like the story is like all I can say is like the story itself. They they wanted him like eradicated because he did not want to train the soldiers. Is that right? No, they, he didn't want to sacrifice his students. Okay, okay. The idea was everybody else was willing to sacrifice his students, mm-hmm. their students. He was not willing to do that. Yeah. He didn't want all his students to die. He knew that once the gun came in, it was done. Yes. So he took he took off, and every and the, the trick is all the other teachers wanted to kill him, so the foreigners didn't find out. Yes. That they weren't impervious to the guns. Yeah. 
And that's what I like about how, like, we don't even know it's uh, Lakalong's character until he's he until Carhoy uh, finds out. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> he's he's gonna properly train, but he's, he's gonna. So, sorry, go. No, I was just—I saw a picture of her, so I just went yeah. handsome. <laughs> <laughs> but just the moments between her and Carahoy uh, and Larkalong, like hit her, just encouraging him, like you have to help us out, and he's like, "No, I don't want to," and like, and just him, just the shaking of just how he knows, like he cannot do it again, but slowly but surely, when um, oh, man, <laughs> I can't remember his name. But, Suhao, Suhao, um, even, even like being sick and then nursing him back and just having that moment together where he's supposed to kill him too. They're all both trying to kill him, but she shows like a more sensitive side of just saying, you know what, I want to learn from you. And then even Suhao learning from him near the end. But then that painful like realization when Gordon Liu comes in between the three of them, fight, four of them fighting all together. And I'm just going, that that's going to hurt him really bad. And that emotion, you, you rarely see that kind of emotion in so many fight scenes, but just for him to find out that Laka Lung is Lake Kung. And he's just like, I, I don't know what to do here. I, I don't know what to do here. I, I'm supposed to fight him, but then he ends up fighting going Lu and, but then goes away until his master comes in. And even Laka Lung saves Su Hao in the end of that fight between his master and because of defying them and then finding about the macho uh macho like voodoo <laughs> voodoo stuff magic stuff that that was nice like like seeing alexander fushang just being under that control and every even the master master just trying to fight with all the people in the outhouse it's like oh, no. and then you find out what, what is this guy doing and all the men are just trying to grab onto that doll just everything about that really worked well and just seeing Larkhan Lung really go all out showing his knowledge and ex and expressing it with the cinematography and just with his family his brother right there like it's just perfectly crafted and well done and I I got nothing else to say but Larkhan Lung is a lot is a gem that we will never see again I also like how the fact that as they Gradually revealed their true identity. They got younger looking in the film. Yeah, it's almost like the mojo is coming back. Right, in yeah. the beginning you saw both Lao Gao Wing and Lao Gao so like old, gray yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But then as as the film progresses, they got younger and younger. Yeah, and like, wow, they you know they got the mojo back. It was like it's fantastic. Oh, and I have I have one minor criticism of the <laughs> film. Uh, really, no one realized that Carol Wai was a female until the end. Yeah. <laughs> Are a, you kidding me? That's tradition, right? Yeah. 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 And but, I, but still. Yeah, I know. Still. I, know Alex. <laughs> I, I also I also wanted to say like I felt that sort of connection of what uh, Lark Halong felt about like his students um, not wanting to teach his students either, especially like how many friends that I have that have martial arts backgrounds and they say, yeah, our master just left because he did not feel like their students were dedicated enough or just even taking it, learning from the martial arts essence of like how martial arts is supposed to be like taught in a sense, instead of like, it has to be more force or more, 
more soft. Either way, it's like you have to find that balance exactly. And but at the same time, understand how martial arts is supposed to be a way of life. But yeah, man, I don't want to. I don't want to go any further than that. <laughs> Alex, it's fun. It's funny you brought that up because I, that you just reminded me of uh, being in the theater watching Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and when we get to the tea house fight. <laughs> All the guys in there are like pointing at Zhang Ziyi. This man, this guy over here, <laughs> and, then the, and then the audience, the American audience, was like, "Huh?" Are you still that? Remember the beginning of the Hong Kong Kung Fu film? All the most of the women were playing the the male heroes. So this yeah. is a tradition that goes back that people just sort of accept. They just yeah. take a blind eye to it. Right. And then also, you know, in the martial art world, women and men are equal. So, yes. so yeah, I mean, the fact that they dress like a man, even if someone recognized that's a lady to them, is like, okay, fine. You know, you want to dress like a man for the day? Okay, no problem. Yeah. Handsome and also, man. It's also, yeah. a, <laughs> it's, also, it's also, again, whether you're a man or a woman, your job in, in, as a Kung Fu student is not to be badass. It's to be smart and effective. It's not to show your muscles and your anger in your fists. It's to show your open mind, your open hand, and your open heart, and use your chi to power rather than muscles. But that's what Kung Fu, and that's what this guy does. It's just amazing. So now, <laughs> a diagram pole fighter. During the middle part of the Song Dynasty, General Yang Ye and his seven sons helped resist foreign aggression and won much credit from the emperor. Jealous of their success, General Pan Mei conspired with Ye Lulin of the Tartars, involved them in a siege in the Chen Sha Tan battle, and then accused them of conspiracy. The Yang suffered heavy casualties, and only number six, played by Fu Sheng, returned home in a delirium as a result of the mental shock. Pursued by the enemy, number five, La Ka Hoi, was rescued by a hunter, La Ka Yang, an ex-subordinate of General Pan Mei, who sacrifices his life for him. Torn by great grief, he becomes a monk in the temple in Wu Tai Shan and practiced the eight diagram pole inspired by the famous Yang spear. Impressed by number five's patriotism, Priest Che Hong reported his whereabouts to Lady Yang, but was killed by the rebels on his way back. Lady Yang then secretly sent her daughter, number eight, to bring back number five. When she was helped to flee by an ex-soldier of her late father at an inn, she was captured by Pan's troops. The injured soldier rushed to Wu Tang Shan to report the news to number five. Number five leaves the temple after having having learned to defang wolves, his pole, and to inflict heavy casualties on the rebels and save his sister. But greatly outnumbered, he was captured, but then rescued by the abbot, Kao Fei, who led the monks to help him. And when the monks say, we do not kill, the, the master says, the abbot says, no, we are not going to kill. We are going to defang the wolves. So eventually, number five eventually killed the two enemies, decided to lead a wandering life after telling his sister to testify against the traitors. Now, La uh, Young had said what he wanted to say in his films. After making a dozen unparalleled classics, he was entering into a phase where he was further developing themes from and creating variations of Previous film, Marshall Club, 
aka Instructors of Death, was another Wong Fei Hong film, following his Challenge of the Masters. Return to the 36 Chambers was a sequel. The Lady is the Boss was an urbanized version of My Young Auntie. And Cat vs. Rat was a blossoming of the kung fu comedy he invented in his first film, The Spiritual Boxer. Eight Diagram Pole Fighter was to be a striking bookend to the farcical Cat vs. Rat. Both were to star Alexander Fu Sheng, Master Liu's friend and one of his first Shaw students. Quote, at Shaw Brothers, there was a training class, Lau explained. It taught actors singing, dancing, acting, and other things, but the basic, but only the basic martial art moves. So I suggested that the studio hire people who already had a martial arts base. Let me try them out, audition them. I'll pick the ones that are okay. Don't waste money to train people in these basics. Get people who already have a kung fu base for your films and start another kind of training class a real martial arts training class. So I started to work in this position, close quote. Years later, both Fu and Lao were superstars, coming back together to work on two films that were as different as night and day. Cat vs. Rat was, according to film historian Li Chukto, a satire of a Song Dynasty folktale called The Three Knights and the Five Altruists, in which two rivals make a shamble of a supposed code of chivalry in order to come out ahead. It was the closest Lao ever came to a live action Kung Fu Roadrunner cartoon. Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, on the other hand, was to be initially tragic, but ultimately triumphant telling of the Sung Dynasty Yang family, who were betrayed on the battlefield by jealous, greedy traders collaborating with the Mongols. Only two of the six brothers survived. One was played by Gordon Liu, the other was played by Fu Sheng. Quote, Fu Sheng's character was supposed to go back to the battlefield, reclaim his father's sword, and convince Laka Gordon to leave the Shaolin Temple so they can take revenge on the Mongol traitor, the Mongol traitor who slaughtered their family, reveals Kara Hui Ying Hong, who co-starred as one of the Yang family daughters. But it was not to turn out that way. Quote, Fu Sheng died three months into the film. It was as famous in Asia as the death of James Dean was in America, and from the same cause. Both stars died in a car accident. Quote, that was very difficult, Kara continues. It took us nine and a half months to film because of all the problems. La Caliung always filmed the action first, then filmed the drama. So when Fu Sheng died, he had terrible problems. They were very close. Fu Sheng was La Kaliung's first disciple. After he died, we stopped shooting for three months. Some people said that Lao would never come back to the set, but after three months, he did. And when the grieving cast and crew returned, the triumph planned for the finale had turned to bitter tragedy. Quote, they had to change the story so my character would be in danger, so Hoi would leave the temple. Kara further discloses. And the tone of the film darkened several shades. What was designed to be a tale of triumph over betrayal became a literally stunning rumination on madness, anger, treachery, treason, bitterness, rage, and death. For a director known for his forgiveness and forbearance, Eight Pole Diagram Fighter is filled with death and images denoting death, 
craven murder, and more blood than Lou had ever featured before. It all leads to a staggering climactic amid a pyramid of coffins in which the villains are brutally defanged by having their teeth smashed out with poles. But even that doesn't relieve the characters or director of their grief. Instead of returning to his home or the Shaolin Temple, the surviving Yang brother is shown marching angrily off into the mountains to be alone, unsure as to his fate or purpose. The same could be said of the director. This was his penultimate film for the Shaw studio, just prior to the closing of the film units. It remains a fitting, though furious, finale to his extraordinary career there. So, yeah, this movie is extraordinary for those reasons. I have, it's, I find it, I basically think of it as a Kung Fu the Crow. Because in my estimation, the Crow was, I know the original plot. I know James Obar, the creator of the Crow. I saw the original. The movie, arguably, but I feel strongly, the movie was improved after Brandon's death. I also knew Brandon. Yeah, that was, that's, I'm sorry, that's very rough for me because I never got to meet the father. I met the daughter. I met the, the uh, widow. But Brandon and I got along extremely well. He was, he was, um, um, he was just reaccepting his father's legacy. And so he saw me as a bridge since I was the entertainment editor for Inside Kung Fu. I, I had feet in both worlds. And um, like I think I may have mentioned in the past, I was called at like three, somewhere between three and five in the morning the, the night he died by an anonymous member of the crew who told me what happened. And so, yeah, that was, so this movie is like that. This is, these two movies that we're dealing tonight are not only, you know, great movies in La Calium's history, but they're Fusheng bookends. In one, in one movie, they decide to just have Fusheng as a cameo. In this movie, he becomes a cameo through cruel fate. And, and uh, it's so out of character, as I, as I said in the uh, behind-the-scenes story of, of Lao, to be this despondent, this uh, tragic, this angry. But it's, it made for an unforgettable climax, probably much more unforgettable. I mean, I think you have that shot. I know you're having it at the beginning of the, um, of the Kung Fu extravaganza intro, the shot of the, cl- of the coffins. Yeah, that, that shot is an astonishing. I mean, I was, I was stunned in the theater when that shot happened. All those mounted coffins, Wang Lung Wai at the top, all hitting them. I mean, even, even in his grief, Locke couldn't stop being an artist mm-hmm. and a Kung Fu artist. Yeah. And so it's unarguable, I believe, that that final fight is the most furious Kung Fu he ever did. And as such, it makes it a classic and also it makes it the end of his career. He's never, he's never surpassed, even gotten close to surpassing that movie. So, you know, it's, 
That's why I wanted it as as the other thing against this, as opposed to thirty six chamber, which may be may have been a even better versus for legendary weapons. But I felt it had to be this. So, right, be that. Well, the good news is, is that unlike James Dean, I believe uh, Frank, help me out here. I think Fu Shang at least has about forty credits, acting credits, I believe. Mm-hmm, yeah. So. He's got a he's got a great body of work. He still has a legacy that you know new fans can discover right. and enjoy and just see how awesome he was. I mean, look at the you know the comedic version of himself being you know in the previous you know legendary web of China where he's being controlled to the point where it's almost like he's dancing, right? <laughs> and one shot in that movie, and then look at him in this one, completely different. Like his talents, his acting talents is mm-hmm. phenomenal. Yep. And he's phenomenal in this movie. Just, it's just, it's just amazing. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, what happened and they still had to try to finish the film. But, I mean, obviously, of course, Kung Fu film fans, we'd have wanted, you know, Fu Shang's character to team up with Gordon Liu at the end. I mean, obviously, that would have been a lot more fun. But still, you can't take away his presence, his acting ability, his talent. You know, even though he's not in the film that much, you remember him. You know, when I showed this movie for the first time uh, for for my wife, she was just blown away with Alexander Fushang, and she didn't know about the behind-the-scenes tragedy and all that. But she was just like, man, where's the brother? <laughs> it's like she kept asking. She's like, man, where's the brother character? Oh, my goodness. You know, and I had to explain to her. But she loves this movie. She loves this movie. And it's just a, a powerhouse of just kung fu, magistry, and violence. It's beautifully violent. There you go. That's the perfect way to to to, to sum up uh, this. You know, describing this film, the beginning action sequence. You could have just stopped the movie right there. That beginning action sequence was so insane. It was so nuts. Look, I'm just going to show you a shot here. That's it. That's it. This is a shot. This is not even. This is doesn't doesn't even represent the whole entire action sequence. Like this is just a shot, you guys. And, you know, and you could tell they're in a set. You can see the black walls in the back. You can see the paint. You could probably even be looking in clo- in closer in Blu-ray HD. You probably can see the corners of the room. <laughs> well, you were supposed but, to. That was the introduction. Yeah. Right. And it by was the, intentional, but, yeah. You yeah. know, they got the arrows? That's Fu Sheng's no. Right, right. But it like in the car. <laughs> oh, man. But, oh, the brother you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just now heard. Him, that's Fu Sheng's brother. Yeah. I just yeah. now heard what you said. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's in the film as well. But, uh, but yeah, like I didn't mind any of that because it kind of the opening action sequence looked like a stage play. Like it was yeah. on purpose. Yeah. Like, I didn't mind any purpose, of that. Yeah. But the creativity again, just like with Legendary Weapons of China, these weapons right here, man. Mm-hmm. Can, Alex, can you help describe these? These are these are movie weapons. This is out of the. Uh, I know, uh, the, but just this, for the movie, like yeah, I mean, like it, they would kind of bend and catch the weapons, and, yeah. and I don't, I don't even know how it would be possible to use that thing because they were very <laughs> intricate. Um, this yeah. is definitely kung fu movie weapon stuff here, but yeah, I mean, this just shows you how unbelievably creative Alan yeah. was. I mean, like, what kind of psycho comes up with stuff like that? All right, this is not a normal person. All right? He did it after the deaths. He needed a weapon that would bend because mm-hmm. he was changing the rules. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, this, when I first saw this, it was Invincible Pole Fighter in a 
horribly pan and scan, English dub, bad picture. I was the only way I could be able to watch it. Still was blown away from beginning to end. I just couldn't believe what I was watching. Just The climax is unsurpassed. Possibly could be unsurpassed, that climax. And I'll let you guys gush and go crazy about that. Uh, you guys can break it down. But this is a phenomenal movie. And we'll get to the defanging, the sc- the defanging scenes. <laughs> we'll get to that. I'll let you guys talk about that. And I'll show a little clip of that. But, yeah, this is just, it, it's, it's, it's one of my favorites of all time. And uh, I will cease to talk. We'll pass the torch to Eric. Yeah, Kara or Gordon in a movie by themselves is enough for me to watch the film. So rewatching these is a double header. It was kind of like a real treat. And even even in recent years, Kara's been in some good stuff. Uh, I think I actually have one in my collection. She was in a, a thriller action movie called Mrs. K that was pretty neat, I thought. So if anybody wants a recent one with her, that one's pretty good. And uh, I think yeah, the opening scene, even though the fighting is is cool, it sets the tone. Yeah. Like, it, it's a very tragic opening just to open a freaking movie. So you're, <laughs> you're almost automatically behind these these surviving sons, right, And it, to, to get some some payback. And, uh, yeah, the fighting's great, but I... I uh, the, the final fight in this movie, the first time I saw the final fight in this film, I was sitting in my couch, and I remember this. In the first minute of this fight, I stood up and, said, and yelled at my, at my television. I, I said, are you effing kidding me right now? Yeah. With the coffins. I literally said that. And I just I didn't sit down the rest of the film. It's, it, the, I, uh, it, it's flabbergasting. And it just keeps going. Like multiple stages. And then there's the scene where Gorn has Kara on his back mm-hmm. and he's fighting. I'm like, w-. it's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, I can't say anything. So it, it went down. As soon as that I saw it, I, I rewatched the entire film again, which I didn't do that, that often, you know, the first time. But I mean, that's talk about finishing a movie strong. And, uh, and yeah, the, the training scenes with the wolves is great. That, that's good stuff. <laughs> I mean, really good. So, I mean, really, that's really the basic thing that I want to say about this movie. It's final action scene. Are you effing kidding me? You guys can continue. <laughs> and by the way, it was a huge hit. That was the that was the poster. Everybody in Hong Kong knew that it was Fu Shang's last film. So everybody went to it. Nice. And that was the poster. They they were they did it in his honor. Hi, Rick. <laughs> Get out of my face, Rick. Get out of my face. Frank. Yeah, I remember the news covering his death. It was pretty shocking. I mean, you know, until that time it was probably the second most shocking celebrity death since Bruce Lee. You know, I mean maybe early in the sixty of you have the famous show about the actual Lam Doi, you know, Lam Doi. I think she killed herself, I think. Yes, yes. That, that, was, that was, you know, but that was like almost more than 20 years ago. But in terms of like Kung Fu stars or action stars, this was like the second to Bruce Lee in terms of how shocking it was because nobody expected it, you know. Um, but yeah, this was an epic film. I mean, and I agree with both Rick and Eric, you know, the, I mean, it may sound macabre, but the fact that, you know, they lost Fu Sheng really make the film better, especially the, the last 30 minutes, you know, um, 
this was a sporting family revenge saga, you know. Uh, again, the opening fight, you know, with all the brothers and and the and the um, and the uh, nomads and stuff. Yeah, well, that was intentionally staged to look like a theatrical thing because everybody, you know, like most Hong Kong audiences or most Chinese audiences are familiar with the Yang, you know, Yang family saga story. So there, there, you know, there wasn't much needed to explain what's going on, and so I, I like the fact that they really show it as like a more like a theatrical piece. Yeah, because everybody knew what happened. You know, history, you know, you learn that in in your history class and stuff, or watching all these different TV series, Yang Family TV series. So, so yeah. But then once we goes into you know Alex uh, Fu Sheng in Delirium Mood, uh, uh, New Exile. I mean, that's great stuff. You know, that's like revenge, the epic. You know, you know, big scale stuff, and yeah, and then the training sequences are great, and how he, you know, sub, you know, yeah, how he really wanted to become this monk with with fighting pole power, and then that final scene, and that final ten minutes, I remember watching it for the first time, I was stunned. It was just like, wow, you know, this is just. I immediately thought this was probably one of the best thing that Shaw Brothers have ever done, and you know, if you go back and rewatch that whole finale, notice the rhythm, it's relentless. The way the fights are cut together, the way the impact, all the fight—I mean, the, the the cutting is just boom, boom, boom. It reflected the rage, you know. It, it's just like a perfect example of, of using film editing to to express the rage of the characters, how he's so determined to seek revenge, you know, on 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 these guys that kill all, most of his family. So, I mean, the the rhythm, the editing reflected that, the choreography reflected that. Is this brutal stuff? And and I think it was, per, you know, it was it fits perfectly with the tone of the film. You know, it, it's a tragic film. And the coffins again, you know, illustrated how tragic this is. You know, the, the enemy had these coffins ready to, to put, you know, put their enemies in, and then, and then you fall. You saw Carol Hoy in one of them, and then you know, it, it just like escalated. You know, the final fight just escalated to him saving her, like 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 Eric mentioned, you know, him carrying her in the back, still fighting, and then the shaman and the monks coming in, and then her being released and, and fought with them together. I mean, it's, it's amazing stuff. I, I don't think you know. I don't think Logan has ever topped this. I think this was just his finest achievement. Yeah, man, very, very well said. And yeah, when I got done watching the, that end finale, I was just like, first thing I said was, "How long did it take to choreograph all of this?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and knowing these masters, probably not as long as you think. <laughs> you never know. But remember, so- they, yeah, like, 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 I think someone already mentioned they have to stop filming for three months to to get over the death of Fusheng right. and also sort of how to end this film. You know, and and to be honest, I thought Fu Shen was actually in most of the film. He was like well into the hour mark of the film yeah. before you know his sudden disappearance. So, so you know, it, yeah, I mean, and whatever footage we have of him was fantastic. He was just great in this film. I think this was one of his finest work. It's just too bad that you know uh, we didn't get to see him. Right, we didn't get to see him. You know, finishing this story. All right, Alex. So yeah, this movie, in terms of raw emotion and in terms of just spectacle and just in your face, is so is so incredible. I mean, I, I've had the chance to actually watch this in the theater. I believe Rick was hosting a few years back. They were showing this, so I, I got to see it on the big screen. And uh, it's just when you see that final fight scene and the emotion and the and the anger and everything, and it's just. It's so gut-wrenching, and I have to admit, um, because I'm I'm very moved by Fu Sheng's story, because I'm I'm like kind of a Wing Chun historian, but I'm also really into Kung Fu and the other styles and the actors and their histories, and knowing like the background of Fu Sheng and what happened in this film and, and how it changed the dynamics or whatever. This film, very similar to what Rick said, 
I have the same feeling like watching The Crow as like a huge Bruce Lee. I've only been able to sit through The Crow twice because when I watch it, I feel it feels really heavy to watch and it's difficult to get through it. And honestly, I feel the same way when I watch this movie, which I wish I didn't feel that heavy when I watch it because it's such a great movie. But I always feel really heavy after finishing this movie because of Fusing's story and what happened and how that changed the tone and where that end fight scene is just all angry and violent and crazy and a bit uncharacteristic for Lao Ka Leung's films. And you feel the presence of him, even in the scenes when he's there, you just know, but he's not and he's gone and you feel it in every scene and he's so good and it just feels so sad. And, and that's why, although in my opinion, this, has a lot of advantages in terms of being a dramatic film over the legendary weapons, but it's, it's hard for me to actually get through it. Now on the lighter side of things as a Kung Fu geek, the Yang family, the, 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 the Yang family spear has a lot of history in a lot of Kung Fu styles. In fact, a lot of styles that teach the long pole, and I'm not talking about the short staff. I'm talking about like the nine foot pole, like we have in Wing Chun and they have it in Hong Kong supposedly has its origins in the Yang family spear, because even though it's a pole, they use only the end of it in the same way one would use a spear, because like in the movie, he lost the spear tip and had to modify his spear techniques into a pole. So like a lot of Kung Fu style, Southern styles actually teach the fifth son eight triagram pole, which is from the fifth son who, uh, um, you know, who went into hiding and they developed the style. And so, you know, there, there's some like, there's some crossover to um, legitimate Kung Fu, even though we don't know how real the story actually is. You know, the thing that's kind of very ominous at the beginning, which is the fortune teller tells the mother of the Yang kids, like seven go, six come back. And of course the she's thinking maybe, okay, she will lose one son only to realize number six will come back mm -hmm. and basically doesn't know about number five, but essentially lose everyone. And that's kind of the tragedy in the story. So um, by the way, on a, I guess to come back to the sad part, um, Alexander Fusheng is interred in the in Fanling in, in the Northern part of Hong Kong in the new territories. And it's right next to where the Wing Chun Grandmaster Yip Man's, the cemetery is where he's buried. So er, usually every year, of course, not during a pandemic, I do a yearly trip to Hong Kong with my students. And by the way, people who are not my students also come along. So if you ever want to go to Hong Kong and get the most kick-ass Kung Fu tour, you come with the Kung Fu genius to Hong Kong, all right? So next time I do that, I'll let you guys know about it. It's like Enter the Dragon locations, Kung Fu stuff. You want to saw where, see where Bruce Lee fought and where he hung? I like... I do the whole thing. I'm the best tour guide of Kung Fu in Hong Kong. So oh. when, when, when I bring my students to Grandmaster Yip Man's grave, when we go to pay respects, it's at an old cemetery there, but there's this huge Taoist temple right when you get off the MTR station there. And that's where Alexander Fu Sheng's ashes are. So when we go to see Grandmaster Yip Man, I always bring my students. So we pay respects to Alexander Fu Sheng when we're there. So anyway, yeah. Super depressing. Why am I talking about this? So, uh, uh, love the movie, but it's super heavy. I've only Aww. got it through it like four times. It's, just, it's it's rough for me because I just, I you feel Lao Kai Leung's emotion, and it's fitting that this is either his last or second to last movie for Shaw Brothers when they kind of yeah. closed up, and and it's it's a bit bittersweet. I mean, it's amazing, but it's it's rough. So that's all I got to say about that. Copy that, Kyle. 
So again, I will reiterate, thank you, Sifu Alex, Frank, Eric, Rick, and Samurai for having me on this panel. And then when you guys suggested eight diagram pole fighter, I had to find it. <laughs> and I watched it, I think two nights two nights ago. And I oh, thought wow. and I thought, why did Rick suggest this? Because it looked like a TVB kind of TV movie. And I just went like, what the hell am I watching? Okay, my, my choice has gone down. Then I found out this was a different version of it called called what's it called? Eight diagram cudgel or king oh. of the rod and it had king of the rod oh, no that's the wrong section i think yeah <laughs> right, right. I, I watched that one and i was like did i watch the wrong one oh, this no. one was out a year after the eight, di eight diagram pole fighter i was like okay i definitely watched the wrong one okay so oh, no. last night you last yesterday i found it i watched it and knowing what I know now, thanks to Rick, thanks to Frank, thanks to Sifu Alex and everyone else here, it is an emotionally charged film. And seeing, like, again, I understand exactly what Lao La Kalong felt making this film, especially when I did the same thing last year with Nightwatch. And it's, you see it between Al Alexander Fushang and Goren Liu's character, dealing with that grief differently. Like you have, it, it starts with Fushang, like during the final part of the bat, the first intro battle. And he's just going like insane. Like I'm going to fight him. I'm going to fight him. I'm going to fight him. And Gordon Liu's like trying to calm him down. And he, already Fushang is lost. And then when he finally gets home and the mother just finds out like, Oh, where's your brothers? And he immediately loses it. And especially with the mother finding out like, that little prophecy that she read in the beginning, just understanding like only seven, six, seven, 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 seven. yeah, and just seeing him tell the whole story, even acting it out, I was like, that is just PTSD to the max of that character, and just dealing with that, even almost attacking the the monk that came to explain, like, yeah, what. Well, someone that states that your son is here um okay uh, is it true and it, you feel it and even feel it in the finale with um with Gordon Liu and Karahoy and just them working together to try and overcome Pan Mei and his his gang and I just remember watching it and exactly what you said Frank you see the brutality in the editing in the choreography and just everything about it, like the monks defanging everyone, literally defanging, and you see the teeth. I, I just remember watching it going, oh, gee, exactly <laughs> that. I'm like, you, if, 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 what's it called? If old boy had that type of torture scene, this is like a masterpiece in that, because you just watch this, and you're like, oh. Like, I, I would be like, okay, look at my dentist going, don't touch, my teeth. Don't touch my teeth anymore. I, I just seen that, but no, like I can understand exactly what Lara Kanlung was actually feeling, putting that type of action in there within the choreography because of like this is what he's feeling and putting it on screen and displaying like this is how I'm trying to get us as a film and as a film storyteller and a cast and crew are trying to say like we are feeling this, but we're trying to find some way to like 
cope, but this is how we're showing it. And even like that moment where it was only Gorn Lu and Karahui, almost to the point where they just c could not get away. And seeing the abbot and the other Shaolin monks come in, I, I was just stunned. Like, I seriously thought it was just going to be them two, but the abbot literally breaking the rules, even though he's like, yeah, we're not killing anyone. We're just defanging them, like you said. And I was just like, I, I appreciate that. And again, as a Kung Fu movie, they established this at the beginning where, where Gorn Lu tries to train with them. And he says, no, you just got to use excessive force. And the abbot's like, no, not just excessive force. We're not trying to beat it. We're trying to defang it. And even to the point where before Gorn Lu tries to leave, that moment between him and the abbot, just like before he could leave, face me and them fighting with that whole fight and then even making like the yin yang symbols within that motion i was just like that was beautifully done like that moment and then the final fight really showed like the beauty of the cinematography that lao kalong just made for this whole film and again like this is an emotion an emotionally charged film and you feel it and it, it Compared to King of the Rod, I'm gonna keep calling it that because <laughs> <laughs> again, I would have cho chosen the other film, but now it's like this is a hard one to choose when we when we're gonna get to it because right now, like yeah. that's all I can say. Well, so we're we gotta give a shout out. We gotta give a shout out to Philip Colfay, the late Philip Colfay who played yeah. the monk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Whenever, whenever I'd have Kung Fu movie night at my friend's, my place or my friend's place, whenever he would show up and he would always show up, we'd always shout out, Kung Fu! Kung Fu! <laughs> we loved, we loved Kung Yeah, but anyway. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, this was just a powerhouse. This was just, uh, just violent. The fight sequences. Look at this. Look at oh, yeah. This is insane. Yeah. <laughs> this is insanity. Beautiful. Beautiful insanity, and it's just oh, oh, even Kara got in on it, man. Yeah. Kara, look at look at this. Are you seeing this? Man? Yeah, look at this. The this thing is... that really got me about Kara is when she comes out of that coffin, and she's gagged. They rip out the gag. She spits blood everywhere. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Ruling down her face for the rest of the fight. I'm like, going, yeah. yeah, this is not this is not your dad's La Calion. <laughs> <laughs> but just just powerful. Yeah, just it, yeah. it's 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 phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And I was at Dragon Fest uh, convention uh, maybe about five years ago, and I was around several people. And I was asked, "What's your favorite kung fu movie?" And of course, that's so hard to say. Wow. It's like saying, "What's your favorite action movie?" It's like I have default choices, <laughs> uh, but I said uh, Eight Diagram Pole Fighter," and everyone said, "What is that?" <laughs> and I said. You know, I'm going to get something neat. You got pizza over here. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're done with this conversation. We're done. <laughs> Do uh, I know you? Yeah. 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 So like, let's get ready. Let's get ready yeah, to sorry. vote. It's, it's like asking, oh, what's your favorite opera? Oh, it's Phantom of the Opera, right? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, what I felt like inside, this is how I felt inside when they were like, what's that movie? <laughs> 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 right. Let us vote. It brings so, me back to when I first, the first day that I met the the initial crew of Kung Fu Panda, and they said, "Tell, show us what we should know." And I said, "Well, have you already done any research?" And they said, "Yeah, we we watched Seven Samurai." Mm. Oh no! And I well, went, well, "All right, 
doing a baseball movie or watching football films. Uh. Let's go. (laughs) All right, let's vote. Here we go. Uh, I'm going to go first. I'm going to go first, and I think I kind of ruined it already. (laughs) But I don't think anybody noticed. I was saving it towards the end here. So my choice is... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I hid that pretty well. And uh, yep. uh, my wife bought me that. And yeah, that's why we're still married. <laughs> <laughs> she knows she's down with the with the badassity. All right. So I, it's it's my default favorite Kung Fu movie ever. I, I, I don't have an issue rewatching it, uh, despite the behind the scenes, uh, you know, the unfortunate ha- you know, happenings. Because it's just phenomenal. It's just so fun. It's just so good. It's master master craft class. Uh, Eric? Yeah, both both of these movies are fantastic. But I'm going to vote for Are You Effing Kidding Me? Eight Dive Grand Pole Fighter. <laughs> All right, Frank. No doubt about it. Definitely. Eight Dive Grand Pole Fighter. Classic right. masterpiece. Alex? Yeah, I'll have to say... The one that breaks my heart is the better film. So, Eight mm-hmm. Diagram Pole Fighter. All right. Kyle. So, I'm voting that King of the Rod is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. And knowing that Lao Kalang did a lot putting himself in legendary weapons of China. But, again, the emotion is for Eight Diagram Pole Fighter for me. All right. Well... Notice anything similar on those covers? Mm. In terms of, you know, so what happens with me is that, of course, I worship. Let me see if I get both. Yeah, same picture of Lao. But anyway, the um, I, I created a temple uh, to Lao Kaliyong. He's the greatest Kung Fu filmmaker of all time. And basically, if you ask my favorite of his, they all, you know, basically, as far as I'm concerned, he has two movies. Um, all his other movies and Legendary Weapons of China. Because as tragic as a diagram pole fighter was, Legendary Weapons of China is him, at, him personally at his best. And so, of course, I'm going to go against the tide. And as others of you have pointed out, you really can't pick a loser here because they're all just tremendous, but greatest uh, testament of his art, legendary weapons of China. All right. I'm not here to... I'm not here to win. I'm here to be right. <laughs> Sorry about that, Rick. <laughs> I, knew hey. I knew it was going to happen. And uh, let's see, see what the internets have to say. Jeez, I wonder what they say. Boom. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Not surprised. Yeah. Not surprised. But still, I, I, I'm so glad you chose both of these movies, Rick. And it was a blast rewatching Legendary Weapons of China because I haven't seen it so long. And I was just the creativity of it. I was like, oh my God. You know, this is so good. So good. But this was a lot of fun. And a diagram for the win. A hmm? great intro for next week. Next yeah. Thursday, seven days. Yeah. Seven days. Annual Kung Fu Extravaganza right here. Oh, yeah. Special guests, premieres, trailers, interviews. Rick Bean Rick. 
Samurai being Samurai. And Frank just were, really quick, yeah, Frank being Frank. Uh, was Alex coming? Were you down or? Are you coming, you Alex? I, I'm teaching my summer camp next week, so I got to see if I'm not dead on that night. So I have to, I'm teaching six hours a day, like for guests coming from all over the place. Alex, so. Alex. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Be the king of the rod. Use your tongue. Get your energy back up. All right. So be- before we end it, uh, just one more quick reminder in case any of you watching are interested. Let's do it. Calling all martial artists. What I. It's time for your action scene. Justice for Hire has teamed up with the superhero kung fu extravaganza to feature your action scene amongst the greatest action scenes of all time. All you have to do is get on the JFH app and upload your scene to this challenge. It can be anything martial arts related. It can show you in battle, training, or how you use martial arts in everyday life. Any way that martial arts is special to you. I don't have friends. I got family. We'll select the top action scenes and have you as a guest on the Kung Fu Extravaganza panel alongside martial arts action cinema royalty hosted by Rick Myers, the world's foremost martial arts movie historian. Remember, always be safe in anything that you're making. Never actually hit each other for real because that's completely unnecessary. Always let people know that you're filming before you start recording. You don't want to get in trouble for no good reason. You don't want people thinking that you're actually having a real fight. Go to justiceforhire.app and submit by July 19th for consideration. Who wants to be a guest, baby? Who wants to be a guest? Jan's, that's Jan Lucanus, of course, and his son actually hit him in the eye by accident during that. Oh, no. <laughs> you can see it. You can see it when he blinks at that point. Oh, no, I'm going to have to rewatch it again. All yep. right, so just make sure you guys are in the loop for the Justice for a Higher app. If you're interested, make sure you check it out. And don't forget, come on now, come on now, next Thursday, 22nd, y'all, 6 p.m. Pacific time. We're going to get it. We're going to hit it. And if you are not there, oh, <laughs> King of the Rod. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Don't forget, follow these guys, subscribe, follow Rick Meyer's podcast. Go check out that Night Watch trailer, son. That's right. That filmmaker Kyle Wong just dropped. Go and check that out on the YouTube. That's right. Subscribe to Alex. Follow Eureka 88 Films. All that good stuff. If you're new here, subscribe to the old samurai. And Eric, the Asian movie enthusiast, subscribe to him as well. It's all love. It's all fun. It's a great time. Keep watching them kung fu movies, son. And keep practicing kung fu. Just don't rip your dick off. All right. (laughs) We'll see you badasses next time. Take care, guys.